Hey everybody. How's it going? Woo. Anybody cold? Nope. Ben's cold. Ben says he's cold. Um, so we're continuing to look at First Peter, and we're going to be in First Peter chapter four this afternoon. And if you've been paying attention for the past couple weeks, as Matt's been preaching on chapter 3, there's a theme that's been coming up over and over again, and it's kind of a theme that's been coming up for the whole book of 1 Peter, and that theme is suffering. Suffering or going through difficult things, uh, things that are really hard or things that are really painful for us. And what Peter's been trying to help us understand is that we will go through suffering in our lives. And he wants us to, um, multiple times he's told us, okay, look at how Jesus went through suffering. When Jesus was slandered or reviled um, or cursed, how did he respond? Okay, then I want you to go and respond that way to the people that are treating you that way. And so as we're looking at this topic of suffering, we're asking ourselves the question, what does it look like for us to be like our big brother Jesus in the way that we approach difficult things in our lives? And so in a couple weeks ago, Matt taught about chapter 3, verse 8. And you can just look there with me very briefly if you want. So as we think about how, how, would we, how do we approach suffering like Jesus, there, there's two kind of wrong ways. There's two very common sinful ways to respond to difficult things. And the, the first one, there's probably many, but, but two that are mentioned specifically in First Peter. The, the first one is to lash out in anger. To lash out in anger. So if somebody does something mean to me, and I want to get back at them. Somebody says something mean to me, mean about me on, on Twitter. Well, I want, to, I want to say something back, right? And let's be honest. I think we've seen a lot of this recently, haven't we? I mean, the, this summer, um, just last week, we've seen a lot of people who feel they have been wronged and the extent to which they, they have been wronged, you know, that's, that's kind of, there's a lot of conversation around that. But whether it was, was this summer with some of the protests and we see buildings being burned or, or whether it was, was just in, in the past couple of weeks where we see people storming into the, the, the Capitol building, there's a lot of people who feel they have been wronged and their response is to, to lash out in, in anger. And in a sense, that, that's very understandable because that's the way we all, that's, that's a way that we all tend to respond to, to difficult things. But what, what Peter's saying is that, that that might be very natural, but he's calling us to something different. In verse 8, he says, finally, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And then verse 9, he says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you, have, you were called that you may be a blessing. So no matter how bad you are to me, I'm going to love you. No matter how many terrible things you say about me, I'm going to bless you. Okay, so that, that's the first kind of pitfall to avoid is lashing out in anger when either we're going through a hard time, maybe, maybe it works hard and we go home and we take it out, we take it out on our family, um, 
or, or, or somebody's done something bad to us, and then we want to, we want to get back. And that's the, that's the first way, that the first thing Peter tells us to avoid. The second thing is what we're really going to talk about today, and that's to try to escape the difficulty in our lives by overindulging ourselves, to try to escape the difficulty in our lives by overindulging ourselves. So I, I want to tell you a little bit about what this looks like for me. I, I'm not a, a very, I, I don't tend to lash out in anger very much. I tend to internalize it uh, more often. And, and so for me, the, the second one is, is more of a temptation. So um, many of you know that my wife, Lindsay, and I and our family, for the past 13 years, we've been living in, in China. And so um, about, so, so tomorrow's my daughter's birthday, um, shout out to, to Rose turning one year old. And when Rose was, when she was about 10 days old, so her first birthday is tomorrow. So about a year ago, we very abruptly were forced to leave China because of the pandemic. And, you know, we basically had three days notice and we're told, Hey, you've got to be on a plane to America in three days. And so all of our stuff got left back in China. We just kind of had a couple weeks worth of clothes. And, and, and we came back. And so since then, I mean, you know, we can't complain. I mean, you guys as a church have, have really been generous to us and, and taken, taken care of us, helped us find places to, to live, uh, even given us clothes, even given us furniture. Um, but, it, you know, a couple weeks into our time in America, it's just stressful. It's just, it's, it's a stressful transition. You kind of feel disoriented. What's next? Um, those types of feelings. A couple, a couple months into our transition, I, I realized that I, I was just spending a lot of time on my phone. I was spending a lot of time on my phone. I mean, I, I, would, I would put the kids to bed, and, you know, it, it's opportunity to, to, to read or do something productive or to talk to Lindsay or something, and I would just, I would just kind of flop down on the, the Rice's couch that they gave us, let us borrow, <laughs> um, and just prop my head up, and I would just, my phone, and just kind of scrolling on Facebook. Facebook is blocked in China. It's not blocked in America, and I took full advantage of that. I I I, I really took advantage of that, and especially the uh, the videos. You know, they let you the Facebook watch. I have no idea why they put that on there, but I was just devouring that. And, and so many times, I mean, my so my elbows started to hurt. Has this happened to anybody else? And somebody said, oh, you have tennis elbow. And I said, that's a really nice thing to call it. I have watching YouTube videos on your phone elbow. That's what I have. I remember one Sunday, and I don't know if your phone's this way, but my phone is set up so it gives me a screen time report. Does this happen to anybody else? Does anybody want to share what your screen time report was for the day? I remember I was on the way to church and my, my phone, you know, the little screen time report pops up and it says, it says, your screen time use, your, your screen time use this week was down. That's good. To an average of five and a half hours per day. 
I was like, that's kind of passive-aggressive, Facebook. That's kind of a passive-aggressive iPhone. <laughs> um, and, and I just realized, and, and you know, and, and multiple times, I mean, I'm, it's two in the morning, and I'm like, why am I sitting here watching videos of chiropractic adjustments and, and football? I don't even like football. Why am I watching, you know, why am I, I just can't keep swiping, swiping, swipe. Why am I doing this? And I think ultimately, long story short, I think I was trying to escape. I think I was trying to get my mind off of the difficult things that were in my life, the questions I wasn't sure how to answer. I think I was trying to escape. And I, I want to ask you, is that a temptation for you? Has that been a temptation for you during this time um, during the pandemic. I want to read, um, you know, but yeah, I, I don't know kind of what challenges you've been facing. M maybe it's challenges like we all have, just uncertainty, isolation. I, I know that specifically, I mean, I've talked to people just recently. I mean, God bless teachers, you know, Zoom teaching, having to stay up until the wee hours of the morning sometimes to prepare I, I, I was talking to somebody this past week that said they were trying to, they had, I think it was like seven or eight-year-olds, and they had a, an hour and a half that they had to, to occupy their attention on Zoom. And I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> an hour and a half, seven, eight-year-olds. Um, that seems really hard. Maybe you have family relationships. Yeah, I, I know there's, there's folks that, that, because of the pandemic, haven't been able to see their grandkids or haven't been able to see their grandparents. Maybe there's strained friendships. Maybe there's difficulties in, in your family. Just, just kind of the chaos of having, having, having everybody in the house at once trying to, trying to get all their stuff done. Um, maybe that's what it is. But whatever it is, I want to ask you to think about what is it that's been hard for you recently? And then how have you been responding to it? Have you been tempted, like I was talking about, to respond to this difficulty or uncertainty or pain or whatever by trying to escape from it? You know, it's, so let's look at, at 1 Peter 4. This is what it says. It says, 1 Peter 4, chapter 1. And remember, it, it just finished talking about how Jesus, Jesus um, suffered for us on the cross. And in 1 Peter 4, chapter 1, it says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And then look at what it says in verse 3. We're going to talk about, this is going to hit on what I was just saying, about overindulging ourselves either in things that are overtly sinful or, or maybe things that, like Facebook videos that, that aren't necessarily overtly sinful, but, but they can become, but it can be sinful if we're overindulging ourselves in them. In verse 3 it says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatries. With respect to these things, they are surprised when you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who were dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. 
Okay, so what's it talking about? It's talking about debauchery. And basically what debauchery is, this is kind of a, this isn't a term we throw around a lot, but look at the things it mentions. It it mentions um, in in verse 3, it talks about our passions. Well, are our passions bad? Is it bad that I want to eat good food? Is it bad that I want sex? Is it bad that I want entertainment? No, those are all those are all good things. Is it bad that I want to drink? That I that I enjoy wine or, or, or having a beer once in a while? No, those those aren't those aren't bad things. These are gifts of God that He's given to us. But what is bad is when we start to overindulge and try just to smother these desires with anything we can get our hands on, and then you have things like drunkenness. You have things like orgies. You have, you have things like debauchery, where, where we're just trying to indulge and indulge and just binge on our human desires so we can just get that escape from whatever problems or difficulties that, that we're facing, whether those are big things or whether those are, are little things. And so in verse 1, what Peter says, he says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. So first of all, how did Christ, how did Jesus suffer? He's saying, I want you to be like your big brother Jesus, because he had to face difficult things too. So I want you to see the way he faced it, and I want you to be like him as you face the difficulties that you're facing. So if you, for time's sake, I won't tell you to turn there, but in Matthew 26, um, Jesus is it's the night before he's going to be crucified. And we get this really intimate scene where Jesus is in a garden and he's praying and he's talking to God and he knows that he's about to be arrested. I remember at any time Jesus could pull the plug and, and just stop it. At any time he could just say, you know what? This isn't gonna be a good idea. I'm just gonna go back to the Father. You know what? I'm just gonna snap my fingers and all the angels are going to come down and protect me, and then the Roman soldiers are going to whatever. And any time he could have done that. But he's having this conversation with, with the Father. And what's so interesting, sometimes we can think of Jesus as, you know, it didn't phase him. It was just like, you know, it was just like King Kong when they try to shoot him with stuff, and it's just kind of bouncing off of him, and he didn't even feel it. Um, no, no, Jesus was in agony, and what we see in Matthew 26 is he's pleading with God because he knows how excruciatingly hard it's going to be. And he begs him and he says, God, is there any way, is there any way, please don't make me have to do this. Please don't make me have to do this. I don't want to do this. But what does he say next? He, he says, God, I don't want to do this, but not my, not my will but your will be done. He, he wasn't saying, you know, it's not, it's, you know what, God? It's not going to be a problem. It's, it's real, you know, crucifixion gets a bad rap. It's actually not that hard. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, this is going to be, I do not want to do this. But if you want me to, then I trust that it's the right thing to do, and so I will. Jesus is basically saying, he's saying, this is going to be really hard. I wouldn't choose this. But if this is what God wants me to do, I believe it's going to be worth it. This is going to be hard. Jesus' mindset is, this is going to be really, really hard. 
really hard. But it's going to be worth it. And what Peter says, he says that we should arm ourselves with this same mentality. I think it's so interesting that he uses the word arm. He doesn't just, he, you know, we think about arming yourselves. If I'm going to go into, a, if I'm going to go into battle, if I'm a soldier, you know, I'm going to arm myself with things that are going to protect me from getting hurt in, in the battle. I might put on a bulletproof vest. I might put on a helmet. I might carry a gun, you know, to, to be able to fight back and to protect myself from the danger that I'm about to face. And what Peter's saying is that you're going into danger, but the danger, the most dangerous thing that could happen here isn't that you would die. It's that you would choose to disobey God, either by lashing out in anger or by trying to escape by overindulging your, yourself. So how should you arm yourself? What equipment do you need to keep yourself safe. He says you need to arm yourself with the, the same way of thinking that Jesus had when he faced suffering, with this idea that this is going to be really hard. This is going to be really hard, but it's going to be worth it, and God's going to be with me. You know, I remember when I was in high school, I was playing basketball, and I, I, was, a, I was a sophomore in high school, and I was, I was hoping to make the varsity team that, that year for high school basketball. And our coach, he, he told us, we, it was, you know, basketball is a winter sport. So in the fall, you're kind, of, you're kind of gearing up for it. You're doing some practices and some conditioning and stuff like that. And we'd had a couple, we'd had a couple weeks worth of shoot arounds and we'd do some drills and some weightlifting and stuff like that. It, it wasn't easy, but it was, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't terrible. And then one day our coach told us, he said, okay, it was a Friday, and he said, okay, guys, starting on Monday, we're going to have our conditioning program, which basically means I'm going to try to make you as tired as I possibly can. That's what the conditioning program means. So he said, on Monday, we're going to start our conditioning program. And this isn't going to be as easy as the past couple weeks have been, I'm thinking, I don't, the past couple weeks were easy? Okay. So it's not going to be easy like the last couple weeks have been. This, this might be, he told us, he said, this might be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. This is going to be really, really hard. You're going to be exhausted. But the reason we're doing this is because at the end of this month of conditioning, and I'm like, oh my gosh, a month? At the end of this month, you're going to be in the best shape of your lives, and you'll be able to play harder and better than you ever thought you would be able to. And so I remember when I, so, so over the weekend, I, I had a time to think, and as I, when I showed up on Monday, what do you think I was thinking? I came understanding that this was going to be really hard, probably harder, maybe the hardest physical thing I'd ever done, but that it was, it was going to be worth it. Now, imagine if I had just kind of waltzed in with my shoes untied and just kind of, you know, wearing, wearing jeans and like just ready to kind of show up and hang out. I mean, man, that would have been, I, I wouldn't have made it. 
because I wouldn't have been mentally prepared. I would have been so shocked. Oh my gosh, why are we running so much? But, but instead, I had armed myself with the expectation that this is going to be really hard, but it's going to be worth it. And because of that, it was really hard, but I was able to make it through. And whether it was worth it or not, that's kind of up for debate. But, um, but that's what Peter's saying we need to do, that we need to arm ourselves with, with this way of thinking. That we need to, instead of, when we face difficulty in our lives, instead of running to pornography or running to excessive drinking, or running to binge eating, running to just numbing our minds, watching chiropractic adjustment videos on Facebook, for example. Instead of doing that, we need to be like Jesus and accept, okay, this is what God has called me to walk through. It's going to be really hard. It's going to hurt, but it's going to be worth it. So I'm going to face it because I trust God. And I'm going to do what he wants me to do rather than just be controlled by my, my own passions and desires. And just as we close here, I, I want to say, so a, a verse that's really special to me is Hebrews 13.4. So in Hebrews 13.4, it's, it's talking about, um, it's talking about Jesus when he was, was, was on the cross, when, when he was getting ready to, to suffer for our sins. And I love what this says. It says, and remember, we just, talked, we just kind of talked about Jesus the night before he was crucified, just in absolute agony, pleading with his father, God, please, isn't there, do I really have to go through this? Okay, but in Hebrews 13, 4, it says that Jesus, for the, the joy, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross that he went through that excruciating, difficult experience with joy. And so if we're going to face suffering like our big brother Jesus, we not only need to be willing to say no to our desires when they come in conflict with what God wants us to do, we not only need to be willing to face up to suffering, we need to figure out how to do it with joy. That this isn't kind of going through life all depressed and ho-hum, woe is me. No, we're supposed to have, have joy. Now, where does this joy come from for us? I want to take you back. Just, I want to read this and then we'll close. At the beginning of our series on, on Hebrews, or on Peter, on First Peter, Matt, Matt preached on this. This is in chapter 1. It says... In, in chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his rich mercy, he has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Now listen to this. It says, In this you rejoice... Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved with various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. This is one of my favorite verses. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. 
Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So what does this mean? It means that for us as Christians, we can trust that God is using every single, he'll, anything that comes into our life, he has allowed it to come into our life. And it might be really hard, but we can trust that God is going to use that difficulty kind of like when I was in high school and I had to run all of those sprints. You know, it was really hard, but what it was doing, it was making me stronger. It was refining me as a, as a basketball player. That Jesus is using, if we're willing to, you know, not lash out in anger, not escape by overindulging ourselves, but instead to, to face it with faith and joy like Jesus, he's going to use everything that happens to us in our lives to make us more like Jesus, to make us stronger, to help our faith be stronger. And so we can know that we're going through hard things, but it's going to be worth it. At least for, for two, there's lots of reasons, but at least for two reasons. First of all, because it's making us more like Jesus. And second of all, because we know that one day it's going to end. All right? Well, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for, I thank you so much for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, we just worship you because you, when you faced torture and insults and difficulty, you were willing to go through it even though you knew it would be really, really hard. And God, I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters here. Would you just help us through the Holy Spirit to, to have that same mindset? And God, you know our hearts. You know that some of us, maybe our tendency is to lash out in anger when things are hard. Would you please help us to have Jesus's mindset and, and trust ourselves to you and to not repay evil for evil? And God, you know our hearts that some of us, it's our temptation to run to, to sin or to run to excess to try to numb ourselves and to try to escape from difficulties in life. We need you to give us the courage and give us the strength to face those things and to face them with joy. So we ask that you would do that. And you pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.